Hey, welcome everybody. This is the State of the CIO, where we talk with America's top IT leaders about the changing role of technology in the C-suite. I'm your host, Dan Kelly. Hey, everybody. We've got a great, wonderful new guest with us. Her name is Shannon Gath. She's the vice president and CIO of AMAG Pharmaceuticals. Uh, she's been there for nearly two and a half years. She began as the VP head of strategic technology and quickly earned a promotion to the chief information officer just last month. Uh, working backwards through her timeline, she was previously the VP chief of staff and head of enterprise program management at Fidelity Investments. Before that, she was the director of global information services at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. And previously to that, she was she was a business analyst at Empirix. She holds a degree in mechanical engineering from Tufts University, as well as certificates in IT service management, as well as business analysis, and a master's certificate in project management. Hey, Shannon, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, you know the uh, standard process that we go through it here in the show. I like to just share a few interesting facts before we get into our discussion. It turns out that uh, Shannon was actually the Boston CIO of the Year finalist for Team Turnarounds, uh, which is excellent. And, and uh, that's relevant to this conversation because one of Shannon's passions, I've learned, uh, is specifically talking about developing a team playbook for turnarounds. And there's a five-step process uh, that she's going to inform us about uh, throughout this conversation. So anybody that has a small or large team, uh, this conversation is going to be extremely relevant to you, uh, specifically in the IT space. So, Shannon, did I miss anything in the intro? No, I, I think I'll just reemphasize one of the points you made. So. As you mentioned, you know, you talked a little bit about my background. I've been in startups, small companies, medium companies, and large companies. I've been in multiple industries, high tech, financial services, and pharmaceuticals. But what I found is sort of this five-step playbook really sort of worked in every one of those environments. And I thought it would definitely be worth something to, you know, your audience is made up primarily of CIOs. And I think a lot of them are looking for how do you drive this transformation? What's something that's tried and true and, and has worked for others? And I thought this would be a great forum for that. That's excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, tell me, how how did Boston CIO of the Year finalists come about? Uh, did they reach out to you or how did that how did that all happen? It's a nomination process. I had multiple nominations. My company nominated me and then also had peers in the industry that nominated me as well. Well, that's got to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely have such a wonderful role here at AMAG, just a, a very supportive environment. That's wonderful. I want to I want to hop right into uh, that core content, if you will, because I know our audience will be interested in hearing it. We've talked uh, previously uh, to recording, you know, about how you transform a team, you know, from order takers to strategic thinkers, right? And uh, and you've done that through turnarounds inside of companies, which is have a heavy focus on team collaboration, personal commitment to success, et cetera. Could you maybe talk through those five steps that we're going to discuss today? Maybe just talk through them at a high level, and then I'd like to dive deep in each each one of them. Would you mind doing that? 
Yeah, let me let me even start by giving you some greater context to it. So you mentioned one fun fact already. So let me share one more. I was born and raised in New England, so to no surprise, I'm a huge New England Patriots fan. I have great admiration for Bill Belichick. I think he is a great example of somebody that can take pockets of talent and really engineer teams that win championships and really create this lasting dynasty. And I try to channel that in each of the roles that I've had. And I know, you know, every environment's different. I can share with you. One time I walked into my new role, asked to do a team turnaround. I get into the room. I'm all excited. I'm starting to go into these 30-page slide deck around introducing myself to the team. And I got like quickly interrupted. They're like, wait a minute, Shannon, can we just pause for a minute and go around the room and introduce ourselves by name? And And then what I realized very quickly, they didn't even know each other's names. So even trying to use the word team was a bit of a stretch. So I think every environment you walk into, it's going to be different. But I'm telling you what I've experienced is this playbook of five steps really works in all of these types of environments. Let me walk you through the five steps. So at a high level, it's listen, validate, co-create, align, and operate. So let's go a little deeper. It's no surprise, listen is the first step. I think you really have to understand what's needed of the technology organization. No one organization is like another. And you really have to understand what do they need from a technology organization. And one of my findings has been not to do it alone. What works best for me is partnering with an outside consulting firm. Not that I don't know how to run an assessment by myself, but what it does by partnering outside is it adds a new layer of credibility. You're not limited by the experience of the people on the team today. You're adding in a much deeper breadth of knowledge from consulting firms that have worked in so many different organizations, and they can also infuse sort of that outside-in perspective into what you're doing. And the conversation, so my experience has been, I have to be personally committed to the listening part. And, you know, I never miss an interview or a focus group. I hear firsthand what's going on in the business while sitting side by side with the consulting firm who's scribing, right? They're, they're making sure that we're capturing and not missing anything next to me. And you have to ask the right questions. You got to ask hard questions. You got to understand what their current state really looks like. What pain points are they facing today? And one of the harder questions is where do they want to go in the future? And some of them may not even have thought about it yet, but how can technology help accelerate them on that path? And that for me is really like that first step of listen. And it's an in-depth process. But that brings you to the second step. So second step is validate, right? So from what you heard, you're almost reading back to everybody that contributed in the listening phase. And you're saying, this is what I heard. This is what is needed of a technology organization based on what you're facing today, right? And it's sort of creating sort of a shared value proposition of a technology organization. And then the third step is co-create. So co-create is really saying, okay, we're all aligned on where we need to go. How do we get there, right? And, and go into the much more detailed process of figuring out what that strategic plan is and doing it with your business partners. Because at the end of the day, there really needs to be shared accountability with your team as a technology team, but also with all of the business stakeholders. 
And the fourth step is align, right? So as you've co-created this really comprehensive strategic plan, now you got to get in front of that executive team. Because to me, it's not a technology plan. It's an enterprise technology plan. And your executive team really represents the business. And you go for a formal approval that basically says, okay, we know where where we're going, how we're going to get there. We're all in agreement. That's the best way to do it. And then you get to the fifth state, which is really operate, right? For me, what has worked best is turn it over, not to technology, but to a cross-functional oversight group. All the people that represent every area of the business, and it's never going to be a stagnant plan. As the business changes, that cross-functional group should say, okay, how do you shuffle the pieces within the, the plan in the best possible manner to support that business change. And then you're still fully aligned on where you're going. You're all rowing the boat in the same direction. And at that point, now you're just refreshing it annually and maintaining it as a living document. And one of the things I think is most important too is just keeping it really visible. It doesn't get slid into a drawer somewhere and put away for a year. Everyone on my team actually has a hard copy that sits on their desk. And when they're meeting with stakeholders, it's so easy for them to just pick it up and like walk through it. And it's just easy for everyone to align around what is the picture that we're looking at so everyone can contribute to decision making. That's really the five steps. So listen, validate co-create, align, and operate. Are you sure you're not a management consultant, Chen? <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely not. <laughs> you work for McKinsey. Is this all I guys? <laughs> no, I don't. I can't say that I do. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I make that joke, right, is because this what you just described is not only is not only applicable in aligning your own team, and making sure everyone's marching the same drummer, if you will, but aligning organizations. This is something. This is something that we deploy in our business. Um, really making sure everybody's on the same roadmap, and the co-creation concept is so critically important because that's the only way you can really get people invested in the outcome of whatever you're trying to achieve. If they had a part in actually building it, right? I think it's easy to talk about, right? We we hear it, we read it, we speak it. Putting it into practice, I think, needs to be something that everybody reminds themselves to do, um, even in small decisions, right? We don't just do this when we're developing a five-year business plan. We, we do this when we make in-year decisions as well and making sure everybody's on the same page. So this is really, really helpful. I Tell me a little bit about your leadership style, Shannon. You know, the steps that you just talked about strategically are pure and perfect, right? But we all know that if if they're not delivered in the right way, right? Sometimes they're they're not as effective. Even if we have the plan, we know what we should do. Uh, sometimes if you don't have the right uh, leadership style, maybe the the authenticity uh, is not taken as seriously as you'd you'd appreciate, right? So talk to me a little bit about your leadership style and what you found works really well. I think being in the CIO role. My goal, sort of the keeping the eye on the prize is always striving for getting the team to be a high performing team. And one of my greatest passions around that is really ensuring diversity of thought, because in my mind, diversity is going to reduce blind spots for my team, right? Everyone's on the team for a reason. They're contributing some level of expertise or value, bringing their experience with them. And you've got to make sure that you have multiple perspectives at the table to make the best possible decisions. And 
I would pair diversity and, and inclusion together as sort of drivers for success. But diversity to me is representation, right? So you need not just from a gender perspective or a race perspective. I think it's multidimensional. I think about things that I always look for on my team is I like to have a mix of introverts and extroverts, people that process information differently. I think there's great value in having people that are natural pessimists, optimists, and realists on the team because they're they're looking at problems from all these different angles. And then you're sort of eyes wide up around potential solutions that can help make you a really strong decision-making body. So that for me is really important. But again, that's diversity. I think that only works when there's inclusion. So inclusion for me is making sure everybody has a voice. And the example I like to talk to my team about is Passive aggressiveness is pretty common in a lot of different cultures. And if somebody contributes an idea and then say you, Dan, roll your eyes at it, am I more likely to put my next great idea out on the table? Probably not because I'm not going to feel like you're listening to me. Your job as the leader is to create a safe environment for people and see when those type of behaviors are happening and and hold people accountable for the right behaviors. So, And I say it to my team too. You have to hold me accountable for that too, right? It's pretty easy for someone to roll their eyes, maybe naturally. And I expect, I tell my team this all the time, if you ever see me do something like that, you call me out on it, Right. We all play different roles on the team, but we're all team members and we all have sort of a social contract of how we should be operating to be our best selves, right? We really talk a lot about fostering open, respectful debate because that makes us stronger as a team. And, you know, the way I try to look at it from my perspective is having a heightened awareness around exclusion. So knowing when people are excluding people, probably not even knowingly, and then correcting it and educating people around it. But that's a, a good part of you know how I operate in my leadership style. But I also think a theme through that is really having a voice for everybody on the team. I do that a couple different ways. Six months into the role that I have today, I actually asked my HR partner, can you facilitate a session with my leadership team. So I, I left the room and let them really talk through like what parts of my style, you've seen me operate for six months. What part of my style is working well for you? Where do you think I need to make some adjustments to better support you as a team? And I got a lot of good feedback that way. And I, I will continue to do that as we get new people and, and the team morphs and evolves. But then I also understand that not one size fits all for channeling that feedback. So I also do a quarterly pulse survey. It's anonymous. So every team member gets to respond. I actually use the quiz from, have you ever heard of the uh, book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team? No, I haven't actually. Highly recommend the book. It's really grounded in, I mean, the name could be a little misleading, but it's all about team effectiveness, right? And there's a quiz in the back. So we use that because it's tied to if you have problems in any one of those areas, they have sort of action plans associated with them. So the Pulse Survey is kind of grounded in that. And it allows people a safe way to say, hey, do I think I have trusted partnerships across the team? Do I feel like we're having healthy debate? Are people being honest, right? And that way I can keep a pulse on the health of the team dynamics and make sure that we're making course corrections along. And, and that's a big part of how, how we operate and really focus on a, a drive for continuous improvement. You know, this is really impactful, I think, in all of our lives, right? And I, I, you know, I'm curious, so we talked about your leadership style, et cetera. We over here, you know, rate our personal success, not only on the what, but on the how. So I, I'm curious, 
you in your current role, have you implemented any sort of incentives or KPIs, if you will, you know, for your team to, to enable this process, you know, within their annual reviews or anything to make sure that this is actually coming to life on a daily basis? Yeah. So I take a lot of time in all the individual reviews that I do. So we do mid-year reviews and end-of-year reviews. I can tell you my personal approach that seems to work really well. So I like to have a very balanced perspective of all the folks on my team because I think that's what's going to help them be the most successful. So the way I structure my reviews is really around talking to them about what I'm seeing them demonstrate on a day-to-day basis as their strengths. What do I consider their biggest development opportunities? Where do I see some opportunities that they might not see? And where do I see some potential threats to them? Maybe things outside of their control that they should be aware as they navigate their career. I also then say, okay, here's what your stakeholders are perceiving your performance as. And then here's how your team is perceiving you. Because I think by including all those different ways of kind of measuring your performance, it's all the things I think are most important to each individual and what I expect for them and every team member, right? And it's a good way to make sure you're, everyone on the team is pulling their weight and being supportive of one another. But that's a big part of how I sort of measure performance for each one of them. That's really helpful. You know, I'll tell you, if you don't mind, I, I want to shift gears slightly on the same same mindset, but I want to talk about how we continue to be on an evolution of, and it depends on what company we're talking about, right? You'll know what I'm saying in a second. An evolution of IT being uh, an organization that keeps the lights on, right? Just don't break anything. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let my email work, whatever, you know, to all, you know, this kind of black box uh, firewall. We don't know what they do, but they keep the lights on. To actually enabling digital and business capabilities, right? which, you know, sound kind of like buzzwords, but, you know, bringing it down to, to a level, really enabling business transformation to happen with a specific focus on what outcome are we trying to achieve with the business, right? And we're talking about, you know, this three to five year IT roadmap of investments to enable capabilities in the business. You know, could you maybe talk to me a little bit about your current role and how you're, how you're doing that perhaps in your current role? You know, I just think the nature of even going through those five steps of the playbook helped to really propel that forward. And let me tell you why. So it's a little bit surprising, but having those really in-depth conversations in the listening phase, right? What I found is not every functional area actually has a strategy. You know, you're asking these questions like, hey, where are you going to be in three years? And I don't think some groups have really thought that far out. Maybe they're a new leader. And, and what I find is it's interesting because the enterprise technology strategy development effort is actually becoming a bit of a forcing function for areas that are maybe not yet there strategically. And it allows to almost accelerate that process. It actually makes the company as a whole a lot stronger because you know all the leaders have had to think all of that through. And then it gets rolled up to a much higher level, giving everyone a better understanding of all of their peers and what they're doing. And that process, plus having that outside consultant come in, a lot of times that's also saying, you know, in some other peer groups and peer companies, they're doing X to solve that problem. And you're weighing in with those type of ideas as well. Your business partners are starting to see you 
oh, you might know how to solve the problem I've been facing every day, right? And they're listening because you, you're being transparent and sharing and you're bringing forth your experiences. So I think that's really where they start to see you in a different light completely. Right. Yeah. Perhaps let me ask the question, you know, what's the toughest part of your job? And I think I know, I'm, I know the answer based on how you've described it, but you know, what's the toughest part of your job right now that you're experiencing? I'd just say, you know, so we're at this point where with full alignment on where we're going, I think it's just time right now. And I think a lot of companies are probably in a similar space. So, you know, I think about we all want actionable business insight, right? So as a company, we're making better decisions. And I think when you start to weigh where you are on a maturity curve to get there, I kind of look at it as a lot of companies are doing a lot of reporting, which I would consider sort of hindsight. And they're, they're trying to get forward into that insight category and, and trying to get to sort of predictive analytics. And it's a big journey because you got to make sure your foundation is solid. So trying to not only make sure your foundation is solid, but also going after some of those stretch opportunities. I think that's probably the biggest challenge is having the time and the resources to do everything, right? And being smart about how do you get there in the best possible way? Yeah, I'll tell you, Shannon, I think that has been a consistent tone in almost every one of our, uh, every one of our interviews here is balancing the, let's call it business as usual activities with the, the drive and interest uh, to produce innovative activities, right? That's kind of a broad brush statement, but even from more of a tactical perspective, whether you drive that innovation in-house with your in-house resources or you bring external external companies to help you as well, right? That's very interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm curious on that, on that topic and the interest of driving innovation inside of your company. Do you, do you have any metrics on, on how you incentivize your team to constantly be thinking about how do we improve processes, uh, make IT an actual revenue generating department versus just an expense line item, right? Do you, this kind of goes into a, not only your leadership style, but the five steps we talked about, right? The co-create, et cetera. Have you seen those five steps uh, actively helping, you know, your team think very differently about their job and how part of their accountability is actually to drive innovation? Yeah. I mean, just having gone through the five steps, I think we already have a good idea of what innovation to go after and when and to be the smartest possible way to do that with the resources that we have. And then, you know, that's part of it. And then the other part is we bake it into our goals. I think innovation has to be in the DNA of every technologist on the team. And it, I make sure as the leader, I think the best way to practically get to a place where you're delivering on that innovation is to bake it into everyone's goals. Yeah, that's really helpful. And this this goes into my previous question, you know, how how do you keep people accountable um, from a day job, right? Some people naturally think about it every day. Other people don't, right? Uh, but if you keep it in the goals, everybody's marching to the same target, right? Kind of the old trick in the book, if you will. I agree. And I think part of one of our core values is accountability. So we only hire people that really live and breathe the right level of accountability and integrity. And that, that goes a long way for us. That's really helpful. Yeah. I'll tell you, my, my last question, my last canned question, if you will, uh, that I ask everyone is, um, you know, what, what industry topics are you most interested in right now? And it could be ones that we've already talked about, and that's okay. But, you know, if, if you could name two or three topics uh, that's happening in the industry, is, is there anything you're keeping the pulse on pretty closely? 
the most important one for me right now is artificial intelligence. And let me explain. There's a lot of cool emerging technologies. For pharmaceuticals in, in particular, the most beneficial near-term wins are coming from artificial intelligence. And it applies in every functional area across this company, has some level of benefit to implementing some artificial intelligence. And, and we're doing it today. It's helping in our safety area and security I think there's definitely wins you can have in the legal space. So there's real tangible use cases that can benefit the business today. So for me, that would be the first and foremost of the one that's most important to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's helpful. Jen. I, um, and, and I go back to our previous conversation about uh, innovation, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a buzzword we've been talking about for 20 years, but, you know, not all innovation needs to be the next Apple iPhone. There's, there's a big difference. Um, between tip of the spear and what I call routine innovation, right? So just using technology to make our lives more efficient, not to outsource jobs per se, but just to use our time smarter. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, uh, thank you so much for your time. You've given us some real actionable insights and uh, quite frankly, a playbook that I think everyone will be using after they stop listening and go back to their day jobs here. So thank you very much, Shannon, for that. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the team? No, I just, you know, I'm thinking about all those CIOs out there and all of us know how easily it is for IT to be seen as order takers. And I hope this playbook is a way that works to, to grow your teams and really leave your own lasting dynasty with your organization. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's conversation, please share this podcast with one person you think who would enjoy it. For show notes, episodes, and more, please visit thenegotiator.guru. Look forward to hearing from everyone soon. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.